0: This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potterwitch to the north, Jawa Jali to the east, Bowen Dick to the south, and Meetung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge elders past and present, and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to the Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm your host Meg Bell, and today I'm here with 2022 AgriFutures SA Rural Woman, Keith-based beef and lamb producer Robin Verrill. Welcome, Robin. Robin, tell us a bit about yourself. i married a farmer in
1: Keith because no one told me to run. <laughs> we met up because I organised our 20 year high school reunion, and we started dating from there. So, two years into the marriage, he said, "Would you like to move to the farm?" Or why did we get married? So I went, "Okay." Okay. Got there and then went, oh, what do you mean we only
0: get paid once a year? <laughs> and decided to create a business from that. So tell us a bit about your entry into farming. In, what was involved with that? How did you get into it? How did you adjust? Oh, that was, yeah,
1: that was just a, such a eye-opener. It was frightening. Never having been on a farm in my life, oh, we went and I said, look, I'm going to help. You know, the, you know, I can't just live on a farm because I'm not that person anyway. And one of the first things we did, he taught me how to earmark cattle. And we did about – he said, oh, you know, it's only about 400 if you can just, you know, put the tags in their ears. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an ex-nurse. I can do that. So the whole day, you know, and it's exhausting. And not knowing cattle and not understanding anything, of course, when they go up the race – they actually, you know, nose to somebody else's bottom, cover themselves in manure. <laughs> and at the end of this really long, hot day, and they're like, oh, we've finished. And he's like, yep. I said, Oh, are you going to give me a kiss? He said, oh, my God, do you know how much shit you have <laughs> on your face? No way. So I sort of went from there. <laughs> and he got bogged one of the first times that we were out there and was sort of left. I was left with his dogs and his ute, not even knowing where I was. So about three hours later, he arrived back, probably longer with the tractor. And at that point, I thought, I have to learn how to drive every piece of machinery on this equipment and how to use it. So I made him teach me. So we sort of
0: went from there, really. Sounds like you've embraced farming life with <laughs> both arms, I think <laughs> which if is great.
1: I think if you're with a partner like that and they're working solo, you have to. Yeah, for
0: mm-hmm. sure. So tell us a bit about your farming business and your other enterprises. We was growing
1: meat for human consumption, as I say, so cattle and lamb. And then I thought, oh, I've got to, got to do a business. But I actually went off and got my diploma in beauty
0: therapy. Okay.
1: <laughs> People are looking at me funny here. And I opened a salon and did a lot of laser hair removal in the district and sort of kept myself occupied but it's sort of after a while you sort of eliminate your customers because you've finished what you needed to do <laughs> and then I thought oh, I've got to keep getting back to Adelaide somehow and we had lots of lamb so I started selling them to family and friends and then I started hearing about people who didn't have food and so as a, I was a single mum very early on in my life till I married Chris basically and so I know what that food insecurity was like looking for another meal or you know ringing up friends and saying hey what are you having for dinner and making a joke of the fact that you know I was struggling and they didn't know so I had all these lambs and then I started just saying to Chris what are we doing can we do this can we start just giving lamb to people and he said sure as long as we start covering our costs because farming is still all about covering your costs and then I started Bullies Beef when we started exporting as well and we stopped that in 2017, but we always kept our land business going because that was just South Australian-based and a bit national. And, yeah, we've grown from there. So that's right
0: up until this point where we started carry the Country. Fantastic story. I just want to pick up a little bit on that food insecurity part we've been hearing a lot about cost of living lately how do you think establishing carrier country has helped to combat i guess some of those fears in in the clientele that you're dealing with i think
1: it's done a lot more than i realized my agri futures video that was played in canberra has actually garnished a minister to actually do a real inquiry and set up a task force and it's actually allowed a conversation it's allowed people to say, are you okay? And not just mentally, but in this day and time, point and case being the latest school holidays, I was hit up for 72 families who wanted to feed their children because they're on holidays and the breakfast club and lunch clubs had shut. So it's, you know, more than, more than two in every 10 women are really struggling with food this day and age.
0: Yeah. It's a frightening statistic, isn't it? Tell us a bit about what that initial decision to sell meat directly to consumers was, or why you made that decision, I guess, to sell your meat direct to consumers. What, what was part of that decision-making process? Well, <laughs> it
1: came from the point of view that I wanted my own income. I wanted to separate that from the farm, which most women in agriculture know farming is family, And you have to be able to do something that you want to do, do something that you have passion about to keep it sustainable. And most women in farming want to do good for the next person.
0: So with Carrier to Country, you are making food available to people for no cost, low cost. Tell us a little bit about that business and how it works.
1: I met a First Nations lady, Jessica, in 2017 through the Governor's Leadership Foundation course, and we became good friends. And she was she works in the space of looking after First Nations families, and rang me up a couple of times in Adelaide and said, "Have you got food? I've got a family that hasn't eaten for four days." And I said, "Oh look, go to the house in Adelaide. We have spare food in the fridge." And so, or freezer. so she would just go and grab it. And in the end we sat down and said, right, why don't we put some packs together so you're not, you know, ruffling through, you know, packed up chops. And so we did that. So for that first year of 2018, that's how we managed the business. She then went to Alice Springs for Sorry Business and rang me and said, oh my God, Robin, how can you get affordable, better quality food to China easier than we can get to Central Australia? And I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And so she sent me a couple of photos and one of them was $70 for 500 grams of mince meat and $86 for four loin lamb chops. And I just said, how can you afford to eat? She said, we can't and we work. So I managed to get enough food for them and get it to Anna Springs in time for them to have sorry business. And from that point, we, when she came back to South Australia, she said, let's create a business. And knowing that they need support in First Nation businesses, I said, Well why don't I sit in the background and mentor and be director and you're the face of the business. So we now get affordable meats
0: into First Nations communities. Yeah. I love that story. I think it's so inspiring. Thank you. (laughs) You've got carry to country and you're also selling under your other brand Bullies Meats, is that right? Yeah. So how do the two work in together? Can't have one without the other,
1: no. <laughs> which sounds fairly simple, but it's a, a, a it's a retail transaction. Most farmers and most people can't afford to give away things all the time for free, so we make sure that the farmers' costs are covered, the logistics costs are covered, and the butchers' costs are covered. And we have really good working relationship with a logistics company who will do it at a flat cost rather than a kilo per weight cost which as we know when you're transporting refrigerated freight if you're sending a pallet of meat you're paying by the ton we can send one box of lamb or we can send 10 and it's the same cost so we use bullies meats really to be able to purchase lamb and um, we've now just started dibbling into a little bit of beef but that's a whole nother game because that's just doubled in price <laughs> at the same time as well So that's how it works. So one pays the other so that it's sold once it gets to Alice Springs to ensure that everybody along the chain gets paid. But we've also worked with the Northern Territory Government, so we have centre pay. So that means they can actually almost lay by a section of meat or quality of meat and can pay it off over a certain amount of weeks. And we have basics cards. So that means they can come in and buy their basics. So we've set up a pack of what that basic looks like. And the other thing that we have done since well before COVID is I've been working with Food Bank, so f- trying to get them more affordable quality meats because they do 39 tonne of mincemeat per year alone in South Australia. Yeah, right. So we're all sort of working to for the same cause.
0: Excellent. You're still selling through Bullies Meats to the general public as well? Yep. How does that work? If someone wants to come and buy meat from you, how, how do they do it? Well, I actually had a phone call yesterday <laughs> saying, can I come and have a look? And I go, no,
1: we're a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> and where I live, trust me, biosecurity and all that, we don't have, like, meat. They find me either through Facebook or they find me on my website and they will either, and or text. So we'll provide meat at the same price that we will sell it into the um, communities at so they just order it and then we get the lambs get the beef ready get them to the local processing plant into the butcher then they arrive in adelaide and then i do all the deliveries (laughs) you're multi-talented robin crazy (laughs) that's
0: another (laughs) word for crazy yeah so tell us a bit about the benefits but also the challenges of of that selling direct to consumers Oh, the challenge
1: is selling direct to consumers and the benefit is selling direct (laughs) to consumers. There's only one point of reference if something goes right or something goes wrong, and that's me at the end of the day. A lot of people don't understand that cancelling an order on the day, I can't actually put them back in the paddock. So, you know, when I explain that to people and say, look, you can't go into a supermarket and buy... Meat, and then suddenly take it back and go like oh yeah i don't want it anymore they would go but you've contaminated the product and then they say well you've opened it and of course we don't We, you know the rules of food handling is quite finite we've only had a couple of instances where it's just ended up a disaster but one of those was the freight company just dropped the whole pallet Oh. and then tried to pick all the meat up off the oh. ground in front of me oh. and say, look, it'll be okay if you wash it. Oh. It's it's challenging in that yeah. people expect that if they order the same day, they'll get it the next day. Yes. i trying to explain that it's at least a 10-day process. And I've had one who wanted some beef who said, look, if you slaughter it this day and if you cut out this rump that same day and get it to this place, it'll be fine. I said, well, you might as well just get them to come out of the paddock and cut it off the animal <laughs> not understanding about how they need to hang and all those sorts of things so yeah. and every now and then I go like I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to do this anymore because though it sounds like it's only one day it's nearly four days of the week where I'm, you know confirming orders sending out invoices and then chasing invoices and so next year's a big year I've decided to take on an assistant to help me that was going to be my <laughs> next question <laughs> what,
0: what's your next step to expanding
1: <laughs> we're expanding like slowly currently we're feeding asparagopsis seaweed to cattle at the moment in a feedlot and part of that is going to be a 98% methane free beef hitting the market what's well, actually in the market at the moment At the first lot instead of selling we have donated that meat to food bank because we've had a taste we went to shore and it doesn't taste like salt bush it doesn't taste like the sea it just tastes like good quality beef but if you're buying good quality cattle you're gonna get good quality beef so that's where we're going with that we're going to release that onto the market within the next three months we're just finalizing brand names and things like that so it's really about affordability for people and going into this next year where you know there's going to be as you say a lot of people that are going to go hungry. We just have to do something and I want to be part of a solution. I know that we're not the answer just yet, but we want to be part of a solution.
0: Yeah. How exciting. You've got some really exciting things coming up. Robin what are your tips for any other farmers who might be looking to adapt their farming business and take advantage of different marketing opportunities, whether that be selling direct to consumers or some kind of other side business or a way to sort of diversify their income on farm? Live it.
1: Live it. If you're passionate about it, find somebody that's going to be just as pa- passionate. even if there's somebody that says to you, that's not going to work just make sure that you have your legals in place and i say that more than anything that's more important because you don't want to lose your farm for an idea have a partner that supports that even though they're not going they may not be in your business but they're going to be part of your growth find the people that are going to answer your questions and stop asking common questions Ask interesting questions of other people, such as, if I want to sell methane-free beef, where do I start? And I get a lot of phone calls and a lot of referrals to me, like, I just want to grow something. Well, how did you start that? How are you going to start that? So know your basics. I'm not a really big believer in business plans because I think you spend more time writing them than you do acting on them. (laughs) And I've never written a business... No, I think I tried three times writing a business plan. And when I look back on it, I thought, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, what was I thinking? I write myself a list of 50 things I want to do every year. And I start with the basics, like read 10 pages of a book. I don't read a lot of self-help books or business leadership books. I actually look around to who in my network can get me that next step. So if it's Meg Bell, how can Meg Bell get me to the CEO of the McKillop Farm Management Group? Because I have this idea that i they might not want to help me, but I want them to sponsor me in doing something. So make sure that you're always polite and make sure that what, you can ask the silly question and laugh at yourself. And that's a really big thing in business. It's not just about making money, but the money will come yep. as long as you're not trying to be too protective because I get a lot of that. You need to speak to me. Well, no, actually, I don't. You know, well, What do you want to speak to me about? My business. Well, what is that? So for me, that's six questions I shouldn't have to ask. Like, And I'm happy to mentor anybody or teach anybody, but if I have to pull that out of you, I'm your demographic. I'm the person you want to skip spend money on I just go like oh yeah no that's too hard you know because I don't want your business I'm too busy but I'm happy to step in and say look this is where you should go rather than there and in agriculture we have which I never knew because I've only been in it 20 years now sounds like I'm really (laughs) old but I'm not that women especially and side businesses and women working on farm just have this enormous capacity to create and change and they don't know where to go for the next step and they really need to reach out to their local governments to their networks and there's a lot of whole group
0: out there that should be more engaged than what they are. Yeah, I think you've got a pretty inspiring story. So you might inspire a few people when they listen to this podcast. You recently won South Australia's 2022 AgriFutures Rural Women's Award. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> what do you hope to achieve as the recipient of the award? I was
1: really honoured to win it, but and I say this and AgriFutures know this, I went in it to win the 15,000. I wanted it to get our cool van up and going in the First Nations because they don't even have cool meat delivered to them. So they rarely have a delivery. And when we first got it up there, which, you know, I still thank, as I say, AgriFutures for it, it was at the time where that woman and her six-week-old baby had been murdered Mm. by her partner. And it was the only opportunity they had to complete the dual sorry business. So we just lent it to them for nothing. But I think if you're going for awards, for me... It is creating what I wanted, which is a conversation. There's a national conversation. There's a state conversation. I was at the food Bank Food Drive on Friday to where people are now actually understanding a little bit more. And I talked to the story that when I was first doing this back in 2012, when we created Bullies Meats, I was asked to give some away and I went to a lady's house and... Under, and I asked because she was First Nations. They said, Look, she won't invite you in. And in the end, she did because, you know, I'm a nurse and I'm a bit pushy. Um, <laughs> I, and I said, Oh, God, I can help you put this away. And I was packing up her meat and I said, Oh, here's your roast for your dinner tomorrow with your grandson. And she said, Well, what's that? And I said, Oh, well, that's the rest of the lamb. And she said, Oh, I've never had spare food. And I sort of, you know, smiled and grinned and thought, I don't know what she's talking about. And then I opened her freezer and it was completely empty. And for me even at my times of being food insecure i at least had a loaf of bread or some pasta or something in there that if push comes to shove you could do that so i want agri futures when i went in there i wanted it for the money but now i want it to be able to share the experience i want more women and you don't actually have to be in agriculture to win this award or apply for this award to step into this space because Women do good things for women. So I'm pretty lucky in that it's really
0: taken my voice further than I ever thought it would go. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting story. I was just thinking that often these issues can feel really, really big and we can feel on an individual level really helpless as to how to contribute or be part of the solution, as you said. And I think you've made a pretty inspiring step towards doing that. So... Well done. Thank you. I hope so. (laughs) Robin, what's next for you?
1: I'm actually pulling Bullies Beef and Kerry to Country under a not-for-profit called Harvesting Potential so that we can not only be able to provide food, we want to be able to provide mentorship and business connections to anybody that wants to step into the space. And especially with the Office of Women that have just announced their $4 million project, we're not going to get the cream of that crop because I think you know what they're doing is amazing we want to just step in and take those that think oh I really shouldn't do this so that when it comes up the next year they can go yep yep I'm stepping into the um, agri-futures rural women's alumni with the same sort of attitude I really think women are the best at supporting women and women are the best at saying to other women yep your time to step off so harvesting potential is where we're going to take this business next yeah and i'm going to be a grandma for a second time in a
0: very exciting congratulations (laughs) thank you (laughs) Well, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your farming journey, your life journey, and your business journey with us. Today's episode is part of a broader project aimed at building the resilience and profitability of cropping and grazing farmers and is funded by the National Landcare Program, Smart Farming Partnerships. The project is delivered by a consortium comprised of Southern Farming Systems, Agriculture KI, Federation University. Precision Agriculture, Glenelg Hopkins Catchment Management Authority, Australian Fertiliser Services Association, Victorian Lime Producers Association and the Department of Economic Development, Jobs, Transport and Resources. Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a MacKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MacKillop Group or check out our website at mackillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time.